Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Don Whitney to the podcast. Dr. Whitney serves as professor of biblical spirituality and associate dean of the School of Theology at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Whitney, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen. It's always a delight to talk to you and an honor to be your guest today. Yeah, and for those who don't know, who are listeners, you and I go back a long time. I've known you now for over 20 years, and ever since you came to Dolphin Way Baptist Church when I was serving on staff there, man, I guess around 1999, give or take, and uh, you were there and I met you, and we, uh, we, 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 we connected over fountain pens and over praying the Bible and other things and kept a friendship and then overlapped for a number of years at Southern Seminary. And now I'm at Midwestern, of course, where you once served. And so it's always encouraging to uh, to catch up with you and I have now for over 20 years appreciated your your ministry and, of course, your writing ministry in particular. So Thank you. So anyway, it's just good to have you on the podcast. So let me do this. Before we get into the meat of the conversation today, and today we'll be talking about counseling those who doubt their salvation or doubt the assurance of their salvation. And we're going to build the conversation uh, from your book, How Can I Be Sure I'm a Christian? And this is a topic that so many pastors engage with church members uh, who are in the life of their church and so I think it's going to be a, a timely and helpful conversation. But before we get into that, would you give us an update on you and your family and your ministry and what's new with Don Whitney? Well, uh, thanks. Uh, things are continuing as they have been. I'm just starting my 16th year at Southern as Professor of Biblical Spirituality and Associate Dean in the School of Theology. And my um, uh, traveling has been interrupted as yours and everyone else's has too with the COVID-19 uh, situation. But I'm on schedule to return in the fall speaking in churches and, and uh, conferences and uh, writing as we're talking about today. I'm trying to uh, get up to speed in a little book on meditation to go along with my praying the Bible, kind of a companion book to that. Just got word today, my family worship book is going to be in Spanish. And so that was, I was delighted by that. Kathy has been doing a lot of artwork during this uh, downtime season and submitted a piece to, uh, um, uh, to a, a competition and is finishing a, a portrait or two. And, um, and then our third grandbaby is on the way, and we're delighted about that. And our daughter, Laurelyn, is here in town. She's a director of a pro-life ministry uh, here in Louisville. And uh, she and her son-in-law live about, uh, my son-in-law, her husband, about 25 minutes away from us. So uh, good times with the family. So let me prompt you, what forthcoming book do you have? And I know we've taught recently, and you've revised a book or two. T- tell us what's over the horizon. Yeah. Well, I have a 20th anniversary edition, a revised and updated edition of my book. How can I be sh- of my book? Uh, Ten questions to diagnose your spiritual health. A book I wrote when I was there uh, at Midwestern uh, 20 years ago. So that's been one of my better uh, selling uh, titles, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to revise and update that and add a study guide to it with about 250 or so questions in the back. Well, praise God for that. Now, your book, How Can I Be Sure I'm a Christian. I have it in my hand here, uh, the newly released version of it. Tell us about the story behind it. What prompted you to write this book? Yes, this came out um, uh, as also a revised and updated edition in uh, uh, actually a 25th kind of anniversary edition. It was the second book I wrote, and uh, I was a pastor and in the Chicago area. And the predominant religious group in the area uh, by far 
uh, taught that a person cannot know for sure that they are right with God until uh, until they die. And only a, a very few people uh, known as saints in by the church, officially made saints by the church, they're the only ones who can know in this world that they are truly converted and right with God. And so uh, I knew we had a lot of people in our church from that background. I needed to uh, preach a series on this. I still have the, the legal pad sheet where I did sort of a mind map planning out that sermon series. And originally I thought this would be about three sermons and kept coming up with issues and, and uh, matters that needed to be addressed and uh, sketched all that out. And as I began to do research, I couldn't find anything of substance. I couldn't find very many things that were helpful. And uh, I decided something needs to be written on this. And so there it is. How can I be sure I'm a Christian is the book that came out of that. And I'm curious, before we get to the book and we begin to engage this topic more from what you've written and for our listeners on that front, I'm curious what you discovered in the life of your church as you preached through this material so many years ago. That if you have one entire book of the Bible written for one subject, you can be sure it is a common problem. And of course, First John is that book. In, in chapter 5, the Apostle John writes, these things, meaning this letter, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So John thought they believed. They thought they believed. In order that you may know that you have eternal life. So people that John thought were believers, people who professed to be believers, struggled with assurance. So he wrote this letter primarily for that purpose. And so I found that to be true in my own church that it's something that virtually everyone struggles with at one time or another, even if they're not verbal about it. And in fact, the, the longer someone is in the faith, the harder it is for them to admit, you know, hey, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Sometimes I'm not sure I really am saved. So I found that to be true when I preached the sermon series. You know, my mother-in-law, who spent her whole life in church three times a week, came to the realization now about 15, 16 years ago, that she had not been truly converted and was converted, became a authentic follower of Christ and wrestled over a period of weeks and months with many of the topics here. So, so with that, and even that personal background and the, your local church ministry background, let's step into this a little more directly. And again, my listeners primarily are pastors, local church ministers, seminary students. And I guess to make the case for them on the front end, and I, I hope you don't need to make it, but in case you do, to make the case for our listeners like, why they should work, biblically speaking, to help cultivate in the lives of their members an actual settled assurance that they are believers? Well, the Bible commands that we do this. And St. Peter says, uh, you know, make your calling and election sure, Second Peter 1.10. And so this, this is a command that we are to pursue, and preaching on this subject helps, uh, helps our, our people to do that. And aside from assurance, you know, people, many people just don't make much progress at all. Assuming that people are believers, if they, if they struggle with it, then it's, some, it's sometimes difficult for them to get very far beyond that issue. I put somewhere in the book, I think Satan makes his primary work to, to convince Christians they aren't 
saved and lost people that they are. And, you know, so lost people don't really worry about it, and it causes Christians to wring their hands over it. And as a result, they don't often get too far beyond that because they're never almost beyond first base, we might say. Am I really right with God or not? You know, in my own ministry over the years, I've experienced something that's quite ironic. And I'm curious if if you have as well. And the irony is something like this. Oftentimes in pastoral ministry, those church members who are most urgently concerned about the assurance of their salvation, who most who were most overwrought over doubting their salvation, often those are the type people, upon further reflection, that really need not be that concerned. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. I mean, the people who are most concerned about it uh, often are the ones who otherwise manifest, you know, the fruit of the Spirit more than anybody. And I, I think that's why I say early on in the book that I think it's generally healthy, uh, that it's normal and healthy for a Christian to occasionally doubt their salvation. I, I think it is normal because there are times in every Christian's life when uh, Satan causes them to think, hey, if you were really a Christian, could you have said that? Could you have thought that? Could you have done that? And uh, I heard Dr. John Hanna from Dallas Seminary say one time, in one sense, the closer a man gets to Christ, the more miserable he becomes. In other words, the closer you get to Christ and his holiness, the more unholy you realize yourself to be. And that sense often makes you wonder if you're really right with God or not. But generally speaking, I tell people that that unbelievers typically don't spend a lot of time wringing their hands over whether or not they're right with God. That tends to be a mark of someone who wants heaven so badly, who wants to be right with God so much, who wants so desperately their sins to be forgiven, that any hint in their life that it may not be so terrifies them. And when that hint appears and they wring their hands, am I right with God? That often is one of the very best signs that a person is right with God. Unbelievers generally don't do that. So then for those pastoring, what in your experience, both in your own pastoral ministry and then observing other pastors and churches, how do pastors unhelpfully engage this topic? By that, I mean erring on either unnecessarily or unhelpfully stirring up within members doubt for their salvation on one extreme or the other extreme, um, kind of glossing over and just glibly assuring people they're saved without actually being willing to have a more rigorous conversation and being willing to counsel people to look at their life more introspectively for assurance. So talk about both those two extremes. Well, you're you're right in that they're extremes. And I, I don't know how much pastors actually do this but they do encounter it uh, quite a bit. And I've had people contact me and say, you know, you say this in the book, that this is a mark of Christianity. I'm not sure I see this in my life, therefore I'm not saved. And, you know, there, there are a variety of things that are indications of salvation. And I may preach as a pastor, emphasizing one in particular, and a person comes to me and says, are you saying I'm not saved because th- this isn't in my life? And, you know, where it's one of many things should be an indication in a believer's life. So th- that's on the one extreme. On the other is, is, is I do see is a common mistake today, and that is telling someone, yes, you are a Christian. 
when someone does come to them struggling with assurance, it can be a child, it can be an adult. And for them to sort of glibly say, oh, you know, you're a Christian. I was there when you were, you made a profession of faith, you were baptized. And I, I never say to someone, even if it were you, Dr. Allen, talking with me, about, I would not say, well, of course, you are a Christian. The problem with me pronouncing someone a Christian is that they then rely upon me for assurance, my perception. And they would might say, oh, surely he could not be wrong. Surely the pastor couldn't be wrong. Surely dad couldn't be wrong. Surely this person or that person couldn't be wrong. And I think there's within many people a longing for a person in spiritual authority to pronounce them saved. But that's priestcraft, really. And on the other hand, they put their reliance and confidence in us then, and in our opinion, rather than Christ. Now, I, I often will say to someone, you know what? The Bible says these are the marks of a Christian, and I think I see them in your life. And so I don't want to breed doubt where I don't think it's warranted. But on the other hand, I don't want to be the one that gives them the assurance they're going to heaven. I believe only God can do that through the scripture. And I don't want to put myself in that place. So if someone says, do you think I'm a Christian? You could you know, point them back to Christ, the work of Christ, point them back to the scriptures. Don't let them rely upon your final word. So let's even focus in more. When you think about assurance of salvation, there are different indicators. And maybe we put those broadly in two categories, the objective assurance, the objective reality, and then the the subjective or the fruits we're looking for in our lives. Can you unpack each of those for us? Well, I don't have time to to unpack um, each one of them, of course. Um, But you, you said the subjective and the objective. There is to some degree some of both. The the object of the outward evidences, I mean, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the things that, well, there are 10 times, basically, in the, in First John, where John says, by this, we know, we've come to know that we've passed out of darkness into light. And one of them is because we love the brothers. Uh, and we, we love them. Uh, we cannot imagine life without our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know... This is real. This is true. This is deep. And so I look at that and the Bible says that's a mark of a Christian. That's in my life. Therefore, I can draw the inference I am saved because of that. And there are about 10 of those. And we need to take all of those uh, seriously from First John. But those wouldn't be the uh, all of them if we look at the, the whole Bible. And we need to lean upon those and the promises of God, which are objective, uh, when we don't feel saved. Uh, that, that's the subjective error on the one hand. On the other hand, the error, the ditch on the other side is the person who says, well, look, I just know that I know that I know God's told me I'm a Christian. And you say, but, but your, your life violates these clear biblical objective evidences. You don't come to church. You don't love the Bible. Uh, you, you know, these things that the Bible says are evidences you don't have them in your life. And they say, well, but God's told me that I'm fine. So uh, it, there, there is the necessity to balance both of those and to have a, a biblical understanding of, of each one. You know, as I've mentioned already, we 
have primarily listened to our podcast, ministers, those engaging in the Lord's work in the context of a local church. And you think about the challenge the minister has, um, fielding questions like these, engaging counseling sessions like these, um, trying to guide biblically well-meaning church members who are trying to suss out their spiritual state before the Lord. And that's a weighty responsibility. And I think we've, we've done a pretty good job yeah. here of, of reminding our listeners of that. But then you think about the minister himself, the pastor himself, who may not have assurance of his salvation. What do you say to our listeners, perhaps many, who are listening to this conversation and they're hearing about assurance and counseling people into assurance and, and how to cultivate that, but they may be doubting their salvation right now. What do you say to them? Well, I would send them back to the same biblical evidences that uh, every Christian has, because a pastor is, first of all, a Christian, and he's, he's a child of God first, a Christian first, a minister second. And so go back to those things that the, the character of God, uh, the promises of Scripture, and the, the, uh, the work of Christ. These are kind of the, the three-legged stool upon which we base our salvation, that God has made certain promises, and His promises are true, and He keeps His promises, and that the work of Christ is a finished work, it's a settled work, and uh, if we are in Christ, we are united with Him, we're seated with Him in the heavenly places. Right now, Ephesians 1 says, and we're already in heaven in that one sense, and we will never be removed. And then third, these objective evidences that we that we see in the Bible. I think sometimes people, even pastors, look for the perfection of evidences rather than the presence of these evidences. Let's go back to that one about loving the brothers. By this we know we've passed out of darkness into light because we love the brothers. And we may say, well, I, I, I do, I really do love my brothers and sisters in Christ. But, you know, sometimes some of them make me mad. Therefore, maybe I don't really love them. And so the perfection of evidences is something that will never occur in our lives, just like there will be nothing perfect as it relates to the things of God in our lives now. So, so Pastor, I would say, look at these evidences in First John. Are these the kinds of things that characterize unbelievers? I mean, you, you know your own heart. Do you love Christ? Do you love the Word of God? Do you love His people? Look at the, the loves of your life. And you may look at sin in your life, but do you long that there would, there would be no sin? In your life, and are you willing to say, if you know God, you know my heart, I'm willing for you to remove all presence of sin in my life right now. Well, that's a Christian longing. That that's a mark of a believer, right? And to sharpen you know this aspect of our conversation a little more, not only how the pastor, which you've helpfully reminded us, how the pastor gets assurance, but but the fact that the pastor should pursue that, meaning it has to be a difficult ministry circumstance to be in, to be trying to point people to assurance of salvation, point people to Christ, if in your heart of hearts you're lacking. I guess perhaps a word of exhortation about pastors who are doubting to actually pursue clarity, to actually pursue certainty. Well, the Puritans spoke about how, uh, and th these kinds of things are in the, the great uh, confessions, Baptist confessions of faith, that <clears throat> 
assurance is offered to us, but it's rarely enjoyed without being pursued and often often labored over. Uh, that it is a gift of God, but often one that we we cannot take lightly. Uh, that that there has to be a pursuit of it and uh, seeing it as a precious thing. So this is going to be true for their own souls as pastors. This is going to be an exhortation they need to give to their people that if there are things in their lives that they know they're re, you know resisting God that they're not going to get assurance and the most basic would be baptism i've seen people who you know were, were reluctant to be baptized and struggled with assurance and that was fully resolved once they were baptized and it makes sense because they were rejecting the first command given to believers you know once they repent and believe they're to be baptized and so uh, you know people should not wait passively, whether they're pastors or not, they shouldn't wait passively for God to just zap them with assurance. That rarely happens that way. Well said. Well, Dr. Whitney, you've been a tremendous guest to have on Preaching and Preachers today, and what a timely topic. I commend the book, How Can I Be Sure I'm a Christian? The Satisfying Certainty of Eternal Life, out by NAF Press, and I commend it to all of our listeners. Dr. Whitney, thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers. You're very welcome. It's a delight always to be with you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.